Hello, and welcome to Against Austin, an Against Me podcast. I'm Dwayne, and I'm here with Austin. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we don't have Sami Zayn this week. Uh, I know <laughs> Unfortunately. I know a lot of you are expecting that. We, we still got people uh, working on it. <laughs> and what and what the listeners don't know is I talked to Austin off of this off air about it, and he was even more adamant that like, oh, no, 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 no. I could get Sami Zayn on. And, and to, be tr- to be totally transparent, I've had some real life stuff come up, so I haven't really had a chance to chase it down. But that does not mean I won't. That is just a temporary so setback. I, I have come up with an incentive program. Okay. This is, <laughs> this is I what I I don't know what he's about to say because we didn't talk about this before. This is so what I have this is what I've come up with. Okay. So I talked about the, the three dream guest. So now murder Brian, I'm pretty sure one day I'm just gonna get the courage to ask him and then maybe he'll come on or maybe he won't, but uh I'm working on that one. But this is what I came up with. If we get April from Apes of the State on. We will do a bonus episode where Austin can pick any album that he wants me to listen to. And we will have to do like a regular episode of, of this show uh, about whatever he wants. Ooh. Now, now, if we get Sami Zayn on, we will do two of these. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the, there's the potential for three three bonus episodes now my prediction is there'll be none <laughs> we'll not get either of these people on <laughs> you wait until dalton hears this he is going to spam the shit out of twitter and annoy people into in into being on the show you just watch well, yeah, I mean, he, hey. he's never met a dare he won't take because the worst thing you well, can it's do not is a dare him. i'm not saying well, he's going to take it like that he doesn't get to pick the the the, the music. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, we're not. I tell you what, we're not going to pick is fucking uh, whatever fucking screamo band he's into. <laughs> but speaking of that, awesome. I went to a death metal concert uh, to see the band Arch Enemy. Do you, do you know this band at all? No, but I saw your. I can see your shirt, and you're wearing the Arch Enemy shirt. Yep. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't I don't know anything about death metal. I just okay. want you to know that like I you you think I don't know anything about against me. I'd at least heard the name of the band and knew they were a thing. I want to say one thing. Cool. I'm not a death metal guy at all. You know me. I'm not a, I'm not a heavy metal guy. I'm not a um I'm not a fan of screaming and yelling. Um I like Arch Enemy a lot. Um They're just they're different. They're not your typical death metal thing it's a lot it's a lot more melodic i tell you they remind me a lot of like the classic cliff burton era like metallica where they're mixing like elements of like classical music and like classical guitar playing with like heavy riffs and solos and that kind of thing except like with this there's like a woman screaming instead of like james hetfield or whatever right but but, um, so it's a female singer yeah, it's a female singer, All right. which is pretty unique for like death metal. And she can really scream like and and this is she's the third singer of the band. I don't know how deep you look into the history <laughs> of Arch Enemy, but they've been around in one form or another since like 1996. And 
they started with a male singer for the first three albums. And that stuff is not, I mean, it's, it's just kind of like your typical death metal kind of what you would expect. And then around like 2001, they got their second singer, Angela. And uh, I mean, it's, it's very much like a, a leftist uh, kind of a band. You know, a lot of their songs are like political and like anarchist and uh, sensing a theme with the music you like. I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like a punk aesthetic right. for like a metal. But I mean, it's very like heavy and but it's also like melodic. It's not like. Um, a lot of death metal just sounds like uh, the same. It's just like a lot of like chugging, like da, 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 da. yeah. And this is like there's a lot of like really intricate solos and and uh, but now they're on their third singer, Alyssa, and she showed up in like 2014. She's got kind of a different voice. Uh, I like. I think I like her like better as a singer, but Angela was a better like lyricist. Okay. Uh, so the singers, when they come in, they're also the, the primary songwriters. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Okay, At least find- the lyrics. I think like um, the band writes the music. Right. And then the singer writes their own lyrics. I believe. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, Cause I feel like, I feel like bands, maybe I'm totally off base on this. And I say a lot of things that I can't actually back up or prove, but I believe in my heart, yeah. um, <laughs> which is when it's like, you know, a band, a lot of times bands will have, you know, the, the main guitarist who doesn't sing writes all the songs and the lyrics. And then you can kind of right. swap out singers as you see fit, you know, that, but. I mean, it's very hard to be like the third singer of a band, especially because Angela is like a super iconic figure. It's hard to be the like, second singer of a band, too. The second female death metal singer. Like, that's very, like, Angela's, like, very difficult to replace. But, like, uh, the first album they made with Alyssa is, like, very, very good. And she's, like, a super charismatic live performer. She's doing a lot of jumps and kicks. She's, I think, a good, like, 15 years younger than, like, everybody else in the band, which, like, helps because she's got a lot of, like, energy and they're kind of like older dudes now, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, but yeah, it is a very cool show. Um, I was I was pretty surprised by the atmosphere. So there were three other bands that played. One of them, I showed up like as they were finishing up. So I don't know what they were like. No offense to them, but I just I didn't make it their own time. The other two bands were. A band called Napalm Death. I've heard of okay, that. I band. am told by people at the show and people that I've talked to in my life that that is a very legendary death metal band. Yeah. And they've been around since like the 80s. That's the only way I would have known that. And so that I band. think it was cool to see them. Like that'll get me credibility with a certain kind of person. But uh, not really my thing. The second band was a band called Behemoth. And now this was very much your stereotypical face paint. We're into Satan. We're from somewhere in Eastern Europe. Like, like you're like exactly what you would expect. And again, cool. People really into it. Not really my thing, but the experience of it all was just like, unlike any concert I've ever been to us. That's cool. It was very laid back and relaxed 
and like chill in a way that no punk show I've ever been to is like a lot of times you go to like a punk show, half the crowd is like standoffish and weird and like, like, and then like the pit can get out of control. Awesome. I had two different guys do the hand on the shoulder apology because they bumped into me too hard <laughs> at a concert on the floor. And I'm like standing next to the mosh pit. And this guy's like, Hey man, I'm really sorry about that. And then I'm thinking like, dude, I've been kicked in the head at shows. I'm fucking like knocked down. <laughs> like I've had my glasses knocked off my face. Like, I mean, thanks. I was just like, Oh dude, you know, it's cool. But it's like, I was like, never had anybody apologize. You're like, Oh, sorry. I'm just like, Oh, like people were, were moshing and doing crowd surfing and stuff, but like very polite about it. It's interesting. Like, it was like, and it was also like men and women in the mosh pit, like a very safe environment. Like the crowd, I would say was like, I wouldn't say it was like 50, 50 men and women, but like there was a lot of women there over the age? all over the fucking place. Okay. Like I saw p- people who were like teenagers up to people who were like in their fifties, like a huge range of ages. Like it was crazy. Now, Interesting. not a huge range when we're talking about race. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would say <laughs> death metal is probably one yeah. of the whitest genres. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I was really surprised because I, I had seen arch enemy one other time about five years ago but with that show like i showed up right when they were about to start and i left like the second they finished they were not the headliner right but i was like i came to see this and then i'm going home this time i thought fuck it i'm gonna go see the whole show and experience the whole thing and see what it's like and like i said i was very surprised because it is like very like aggressive uh music but people were like very polite and just there to like hang out and like have fun. Yeah. It's that's it's very I mean, cool. <laughs> I had a really good time. I think it's really interesting. I, I wonder if just the, the fan approach to that kind of music, you know, that younger people are attracted to it for different reasons, you know, like, and they, I, I, I mean, anybody I knew in college that was in the death metal was just like the calmest, nicest. Yeah. I just think there's something and I do like, okay, I don't, like I said, I'm not really into any other death metal bands beside of Arch Enemy, but I do find it like very soothing and relaxing. Right. And you wouldn't think that because it's like, they're screaming about people dying in wars and shit, but like, I don't know. <laughs> I find it very soothing. I don't I, know. I think, I think you see a lot of communities like that, that are, that are, maligned for the wrong reasons right i don't want to, and also i don't want it to come across like i'm shitting on punk shows no 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 the no, most no, fun times i've ever had in my fucking life were going to fucking punk concerts but this really felt like a communal thing in a way that like no other concert that i've ever been to has well i i just what i what it makes me think of is like when you hear people and this started with like Tipper Gore in the '90s, where they, she's like, "Oh yeah, uh, metal music and violent movies and video games are what is ruining the youth." And it, then it's like, if you're actually in these communities, like you had just said, I mean, it was very calm, supportive. Well, I'm gonna say this though. I'm gonna say this though. If you go to see a metal band that's on the fucking radio, that's a different vibe. 
Yeah, well, that's, that's also, a different fucking vibe. I'd say that about any show on the radio. I mean, you know, it's going to be a different crowd. Whereas, like, if it's something super niche, then yeah. you're getting real fans. Well, anyway, um, as for Ar- Arch Enemy themselves, this time they were the headliner, which was cool. They played about an hour and 15 minutes. But you know what, Austin? That's long enough. Yeah, it is. That's a good little show. Yep. I thought, like, that's long enough to go, like, yeah, I had a really good time. I would rather leave that building going, like, oh, wish they would have played two or three more songs than going, like, oh, man, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I didn't think they were ever going to stop. <laughs> you know, you leave, leave, leave one definitely more. I the concerts and the headliner just played, like, three hours. Yeah. And it's like, hey, man, that's great, but I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, anything over 90 minutes is is a lot. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot. So they played mostly like newer stuff. They they only played what three what people would consider like classic era Arch Enemy songs. But, I mean, the crowd was into it. It was still pretty cool. And uh, like I said, they have different singing styles with like the new singer. So she mostly played like her songs, you know. Right, what I mean? that makes a lot of sense that she yeah. would play her songs. But it was very cool, like very fun show. Yeah, I had a really good time. Uh, I think that's all I want to say about it. I just uh, I wanted to talk about that because it's something different than the kind of music that we normally talk about on here. It's different than the kind of music that I listen to in general. But Arch Enemy, I don't know, really sick <laughs> band that uh, <laughs> people should check out. I guess I don't know. Well, while you were doing that, I had a very different experience. I, I, without going too much into it, I just think this might make you laugh. Um, I was at a funeral service and my dad introduced me to these two old men. And this was down South. This was in Louisiana. And I'd never met these men. Like most of the time my dad would, my, or my parents, my dad or my mom would introduce me to people and I'd known or I'd met years ago, or they'd been sort of in the family, but I had no idea who these guys were. They were these short, old Southern men. And so he introduces me and then turns and starts talking to somebody else. Now I'm stuck talking to these two old dudes that I don't know. And I have really no desire to talk to because there's a lot of fan. I'd rather talk to one of my cousins or somebody that I knew, you know, that, that was there. Right. And so one of them, when he when he tell him I live in New York, he goes, New York City, that's the Jewish capital of the United States. Oh <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I gotta get out of here. Like this is stuff. Oh my I'm god! Oh right my now. god! Man, I just yeah, just it was, it was a line. It was a line that you didn't expect. I can't, dude. People say wild shit to you because they right? think like you don't know. <laughs> they think you're on the same team as them. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> it's like like this old dude thought I was like infiltrating for you know the South. Yeah. Like I'm in, I'm in there getting close to people, but for some I don't I don't even know. <laughs> like I can't even wrap my brain around it. That's like, such an you, insane thing to why, say. Okay, but like it's an insane thing to say. But you also are saying it at a funeral. Like what? Where? Like what? Like this. There's timing. I don't know. I didn't get it. I was so floored. I'm very, very rarely find myself like dumbstruck. But I, at that point, I was like, uh, I don't know what to do. What did he think you were gonna like? What's the best case scenario? Of you going like, I'm telling you, man, I can't believe it. Yeah, I know they're everywhere. Okay, Austin, we got okay, a lot point. of music to talk about today. Are Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Okay, the first thing we're talking about three. EPs today. They all came out within about two years of each other, but 
we're talking about three pretty distinct eras of the band. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is Crime as Forgiven by Against Me, also known as the Crime EP. And on this EP, Austin, Against Me is Laura Jane Grace on vocals and guitar, and Kevin Mann is back on the drums. I was wrong about that. <laughs> Last time I said he would be gone by the next episode, he's on this one. Uh, so that's my fault. But um, once again, your producer is Rob McGregor, who produced Reinventing Axel Rose. Same situation here. Not a lot of production. He basically just recorded it in his studio. Uh, and it came out on a record label called Sabbath Productions on March 1st, 2001. So this is like almost exactly a year before Reinvented Axel Rose comes out. So this is still the original version of the band. But it is like what I consider to be, and I think what Laura considers to be, the first real Against Me release. This is the first like proper they went into like a studio to record this like it like they actually sold actual copies of it to people who weren't just friends and family. It also feels like and I don't, don't want to jump too far ahead. This feels like an EP they record to send out to labels to see about getting, you know, to making a full length album. Yeah, I think that was part of the idea. Like um, this, this is your this is your most proper demo that you actually, you know again did in a studio and and that yeah i think at this point laura and kevin felt like okay we've got some actual good songs here we figured out what we're doing let's do something for real let's not just make it ourselves like let's try to be a real band and i think like that's something laura talks about in her book like around this time like she was very serious about this right and wanting to take it to the next level and i think like We'll get into what you think about it in a minute. I don't think, I don't think this is like perfect. It still feels like very unpolished at times. A lot of the songs feel like they're not quite done, but it is a big step up from the stuff that we listened to last time. In my opinion, like you can listen to this and draw a a direct line to reinvent an actual world. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and also considering that there are two songs on this that that show up on right on reinventing Axl Rose. So, yeah. So without getting into the songs yet, just overall, what did you think about this one in particular? I enjoyed it. I, I, I did. I thought it was, it was good. I, I thought it was quick. Um, you know, we will get into the, the songs themselves, but I, I can, it's for me, having already listened to Axl Rose, it's really interesting to have gone back and kind of seen the trajectory of the band and like, Hey, this is, these are the steps. And I think, going through all these albums, it's been like, okay, now I see where, how we got to where we did right. with Axl Rose. And, and I kind of really enjoy that. I like, you know, listening to the evolution of a band through their albums and through their early works. I think it's really that, that it piques my interest. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think, and, and I think that's part of why I wanted to do uh, these two episodes that we've done here, even though this is not like my favorite music this band has ever made. There aren't a ton of bands where like you can go back and like see the process and see like right. the very early songs. And like there's loads of great bands that wrote like early songs that they said, no, this sucks. We're just going to throw it away. But like Laura came up in the time where like 
that music just like somebody got their hands on it and preserved it and like all these years later this band is big now and like so these songs that may have just kind of been forgotten like are preserved in history and like still relevant now because like against me went on to be like a big band yeah even though not really this lineup all right let's get into the songs uh so for the next couple eps there's going to be some songs that we've already talked about and we're not going to get too in-depth into those we are going to mention them bring them up bring them up but we're not going to get we're not going to get into like the lyrics or the um anything about the song really other than comparing it to the other version because i just think like we've already talked about that you can go back to the first episode but i do want to talk about like against me uh is a band that has uh put out a lot of like demos and alt versions of songs and stuff. And I always think that stuff's really interesting to check out. So we will start with, I still love you, Julie. And I felt like this is what I was talking about earlier. Like this one isn't quite as smooth or polished as the version that ends up on the album. No, Um, but there's not a lot of differences. It's, 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 it's basically just a lesser version of what ended up on the album. Would yeah, you agree I agree with that. I think the well, the biggest thing that I noticed is that, and I actually went back and listened to the Axl Rose version afterwards, and just the chorus on Axl Rose hits so much harder. Absolutely, I mean, like it is such a catchy chorus, and you wouldn't know had you not listened to Axl Rose, you wouldn't know that this that this song had the same chorus. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it, it's just it like. It, yeah. It's a real night and day difference. And I think that for that, this song in particular, the chorus is really what makes it for me, you know, like I really enjoy the chorus of this and it's like, which is not there in this song. And it is absolutely delivers on Axl Rose. And this one doesn't have that same resonance because there's just not as many instruments. It's not as well produced. It's just not, it right. doesn't have the the mass that it did on Axl Rose. That was, that was my big takeaway. And I, I, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed if I hadn't gone back and listened to both of them in a row, but it's pretty stark when you do. Yeah. And we um, we'll get into it more of the quotes and stuff, like what the recording process was like, but pretty similar to last time. They still don't really have like a full drum kit. They don't have the nicest guitar. You know, it's just kind of like what they had, but they're they're At least they're, we're in a studio this time. I will say like production wise, this is like, way better than the stuff yeah. you listened to last time. Yep. I mean, yeah. And I think that's why this has kind of been preserved and the very early stuff is not on streaming because like, I just don't think listenable copies really exist. But let's get into the first new song that we're going to talk about today, which is what we worked for. I'm going to let you start. What do you think of this? <laughs> I got another uh, sort of a hot take that I just am sort of figuring out about myself as we do this. Okay. I don't think, I, I think you can add songs about making music and songwriting to my list of songs that I don't necessarily love, along with like songs about, about <laughs> drinking. And this one was one. I was like, I don't really, I just want to listen. I like songs that tell stories, but I don't need to know how the sausage is made. Oh. As the lyric to a song, oh, he said, I just, <laughs> <laughs> there can't be an episode uh, well, of this podcast. Well, this may come up again. <laughs> That's fair. That's and fair. I, I, I could be in the minority. I mean, this very much, this very much is like about like, um, just the band, like this DIY spirit of the band. 
Um, but I, I didn't get that. Like they've had songs about being on tour, and I've right. been fine with those. I think I, the problem with this is like um, she doesn't have enough life experience to make like a coherent point about the music industry yet because she's not really in it. Right. And I think like in the later, there's some really good songs that I think are about like what what it's like to be in a band and uh, the process of recording and dealing with the record industry and that kind of thing that we'll get to later. But I, I, like, I like this song though. I liked it. All right. It wasn't uh, a bad song, but I just was like, hey. we talked about last time, like sometimes like just lyrics hit for you. And like, there's, <laughs> there's a part of this song that I just like fucking love so much. And I don't, I can't really like explain it, but just like, the way she sings it and everything when she says like, and may the likes of this song never make one fucking dollar. Like, like I just fucking love that part so much. Like it's so good. And don't, don't worry. It won't because this didn't make it to Axl Rose. Very much funny. All right. The next song is called Laura's going to hate me. If she ever listens to this podcast, by the way, just want to put well, that out there. Hey, listener, if she does, that's your fault. Because we have all agreed <laughs> not to tell her about it. I mean that that is that is part of the reason that you I try think, to protect me. No, protect both of us because I want to come on here and say what I think about this music. If I knew Laura was listening to it, I would just come on here and be like, "I think every song is really good <laughs> and uh, great." We, you know what I mean? Because I feel can bad. We be friends, yeah. I'd feel bad about it. You know what? It's not even that I think we would be friends. I would just feel bad. You know what I mean? Because I have never written any. I've never written any songs. If I did, they wouldn't be any good. You know what I'm oh, saying? So who am I to come on here and say a bunch of nonsense? But yeah, but so that's that's part of the reason that the number one rule of the show is to not tell Laura. Don't tell Laura. But no, song number three, Austin. Yeah. It's called. Y'all don't want to step to this and knowing Laura, I don't know her, but knowing <laughs> the kind of things she says, I know she regrets this title. She has to look. Yeah. It's a really finish. terrible title. It's so bad. It, so don't this, do like the ironic rap stuff. Yeah. It's not, it's not good. This, it's this, not good. Laura can write a very biting and, and, and poignant, political song like she's done that on the previous eps there's been some really catchy lyrics there's been some really hard-hitting messaging that goes into it and really clever stuff this is not one of those songs yeah absolutely i this go ahead oh i just wrote i wrote some of the lyrics and i was just like these are not good i mean they're they're fine they're not as good what do you you got off well no i just i think she's a better writer than what you would think hearing this song I think she's a. I think she's a much more clever writer. We're still a year away from reinventing Axl Rose, right? And like, but I'm. I don't like think Vita she v- hits her songwriting peak until after that album. But even stuff in Vita V was there was some really biting, smart, you know, lyrics in there. But this one, I was like, "We died for oil. We died for borders." Okay, I get that. Killed for democracy and still behind every platform. And there's a couple more lines, and then she, she goes, "I still know every politician is a fucking monster." And I was like. You you could you can you're 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 smarter you're a better songwriter than that. Right. That's all. That's all. I really felt like this felt like a song from the first demo. Yeah, it's not done. Yeah, it's like it's just some words. It, it's Does it worth, flow right? Yeah. It's yeah yeah yeah. No, I, I I was not a fan of this either. All right, let's move on to song number four. Walking is still honest, and Austin, you may not know this. 
This is actually the second version of the song. Really? The first version of the song is on the ill-fated EP that we skipped because it was the Ill- production <laughs> is just so bad. Laura kept that song around for this because she was not happy with the with that previous release. And so she, yeah. it's, she it's, wanted a new version of the song for this EP. To me, Austin, this is just not as good as no. the version that ended up on the album. The, the album too. version is excellent. It's one of my favorite songs yeah. on that album. So it was my best song. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's this was too slow. Like the singing is too deliberate. Like there's just not very much passion here. This the the, the reason I picked it as my best song on the first album was because I. T- thought more than anything else it had the most emotion and passion and this feels like we're just kind of going through the motions here but that's what's interesting to me that actually is the more interesting point is that this you would think that and and maybe i don't maybe maybe this is me but you would think that an earlier more diy recording of this song might have more soul and more passion than a version that you go into a studio, a bigger studio surrounding to record. Right. But it's not, but I've heard from, I've heard other demos from songs that I'm like, Holy shit. I like this so much more than the the polished studio version or like stripped down live versions where I'm like, wow, this is such a better song than what they actually recorded on an album. So I think that's a yeah. good sign. Well, that- and we'll get into this because against me definitely has some like alternate versions of songs that I think are better than the ones that ended up on the album. And we'll listen to those and we'll let you decide Austin and <laughs> you, the listener, but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, let's move on. Let's I don't want to spend too much time on that song. Uh, Cause we've talked about it a ton before, but number five, is impact and so the last two songs are bonus tracks that were only available on the cd version the vinyl version would only have the first four songs and then the cd version would have songs five and six so i'm going to tell you right now i didn't like this one i was about to it's a, i was about to say this is why i prefer vinyl because it would have left these two songs off <laughs> Well, even though we'll you're going to give me shit we'll about get into the, what I think about vinyl yeah, no, one day, episode, let me tell you something against about. Austin. I got a lot to say about that, but not today. But uh, I, I wrote uh, I just uh, this. All I wrote was these last two songs are pretty forgettable. This felt like a song from V to V to me. Like it just felt it wasn't, packed on. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's not done. Yeah, it's absolutely just like tacked on. Let's, I, that's all I really got to say about that. Yep. You, you nailed it. Song number six is called Burn. And this is like a very militant song. Yeah, it's uh, weird. And it went on. It's kind of catchy, but it's not one of my favorites. No, I, I just wrote same. <laughs> yeah. For Impact. I just was like, I didn't do that. I th- no, what I will say, I like it a lot better than Impact. I may like, like it a little better than impact, but it was, it was not, I was like, no, if somebody, but like, if I'm making a, an against me playlist, this song, neither one of these songs are getting anywhere near it. The third go around. Cause I've listened, I did. I've been trying to stay true to the listen to everything three times, take notes. The third round, third go around. I was like, okay, I've had enough. I got about halfway through. I couldn't finish the song. And I was like, let's move on. Cause I know there's yeah. better stuff coming. Yeah. Yeah. This was, 
I feel like we can say this now, and maybe you'll agree or disagree. Of the three things that we listened to today, this is absolutely the weakest. In my yeah. Opinion. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Okay. No doubt. Let's get into the quotes because you have some good quotes. Uh, okay. Once again, these are either going to come from Laura's book or like in the first episode, the oral history of Against Me article by Josh Chesler, which is a great article that people should check out. The first one, though, is from Laura's book. And um, she says, the band booked our first proper recording session in town to record crime. Jordan Kleeman took care of the cost of the session and then had the songs pressed to a seven inch. So like, it's basically it. We like, we're going to go into a real studio and make something real. And Jordan is going to finance it. And uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, Who's Jordan? So Jordan, we talked about this on the first episode as well. Did we? Uh, he was sort of like. It was so long ago. I know, I know. <laughs> but he 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 was like a guy who was in a very early version of the band, but they just didn't think was like good enough. But they didn't want to kick him out, so he oh, just kind of right. became like a de facto manager. And yeah, producer. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, he was involved in creating some of the artwork. Okay, I that remember kind of that thing. now. I do remember but that. But he now. was like, he also ran a very, very minor record label at one time. So he knew how to get uh, records pressed. Uh, and so the reason this there's a CD version with bonus tracks is he only had the money to make uh, the seven inches. He did not have enough money to make a CD. So they had to go to a separate. Label to have the CD made. It was probably either or, like you've only got enough money to make one or the other. Right. So, but what Laura says here, I found this is like not directly related to this EP, but she's talking about this time period. So I think it's a good quote. She says, There was no band like us at the time mixing acoustic and electric punk sounds. That version of Against Me, which was Laura, Kevin, Dustin, and James spawned a long lineage of imitative folk punk bands for better or usually worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's looking around and going, She's not necessarily a fan of like the copycat uh, bands. I get it. I mean, which there are, well, which there are many, let me tell you, <laughs> they're out there. Um, go ahead. Oh no. I was just going to say, I mean, you can kind of take it as like imitation is the fondest form of flattery, or you can say, come on, have an original thought. Here's the thing, man. Here's the thing about against me. Whatever you want to say about them, when they hit, like they changed what it was to be punk, what punk music could sound like, what the songs could be about. Like nobody was doing, she's absolutely right. Nobody was doing what they were doing at that time like it just like were there bands that they borrowed from yeah sure absolutely. but nobody's music, ever fucking heard of them yeah you know well, what i mean music like, but music builds on music i mean like that's right. just how it works that's how all art works like nobody did what they did to the level that they did it before yeah like and even though these songs like hearing them now as a man in his 40s in 2022 like you don't have like the full context of like 
of the time. Shit didn't sound like this at right. the time. You know I what mean, I mean? To be fair, I every every punk band, not every punk band, that's not fair to say. The vast majority of punk bands that came after Against Me borrowed from Against Me directly or indirectly because they changed what the music sounded like. Well, I was going to say, even now, though, me listening to this stuff for the first time, it doesn't sound like anything that I've heard before. You know? Right. Like, yeah. obviously, my head's been in a different space musically, and I haven't really listened to a lot of punk outside of like early, late 90s, early 2000s punk. We're going to get Austin to listen to Apes of the State listeners. I'm working. I'm working on it. <laughs> We're getting there. We're making by the end of this, whether they're broken up or I'll be an Apes of State fan. So I take it you're not going to the concert on May the 14th that we, that we talked about before. No, I'm not. I think I actually have a wedding that weekend I got to go to. Oh, so important, a wedding. Anyway, uh, uh, you know. I would be like, sorry, I'm sick. I can't make it. Well, um, yeah. And then I would go to the Apes of the State show. All right. The final quote I want to talk about with this CP, this is from Rob McGregor, who was the producer. Okay, And he says, the first time I met against me was when they came in to record the crime EP. They basically called me up and set up a session. I was the go-to recording guy for punk rock in Gainesville, North Florida back then. They came in with buckets and pots and pans for drums and a beat-up acoustic guitar that couldn't have been worth more than $40. I thought this was quite interesting because I always thought ideas, songs, and energy were more important than fancy equipment. I consider it my job to make whatever people bring in presentable. Yep. And I think he did a great job because you listen to this compared to the last two releases and it's a major improvement. Yeah. yeah and it's not that Laura and Kevin have got necessarily better. gotten that much better, but they're like proper recording. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a collaboration. That's why people, I, but I will say that's not fair. I think as a songwriter, maybe not as a guitar player or a singer, but as a songwriter, like, even though we didn't love all these songs still like for the most part, most of these songs are better written than the last things that we listened to. Right. In my opinion. All right, but let's move on to the acoustic EP. And this is also uh, known as like self-titled. It technically does not have a title. The acoustic EP just became the fan title. Right. And that's the title that eventually just stuck but it's technically not titled or self-titled. Right. Um, but it's not super important, but I just thought I'd bring it up. Uh, and on this recording against me is Laura Jane Grace on vocals and guitar and Dustin Friedkin on the bass. So what happened here? We talked about it last time. Kevin quit the band to go train hopping. Uh, and Laura was pretty distraught about this. And um also, there was the car accident that we talked about. Right. Where there, um, so she pretty much was convinced that the band was done. Uh, and so about three or four months after the car crash, her and Dustin got together because she had been writing these songs. And she was like, I think I'm really on to something now. Like, I know we don't have a full band, but we need to get together and record because I think I'm, I'm on to something here. And, and, and in my opinion, this is the first release that like, this really feels like against me. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. 
even though they don't have a full band no like, this sounds this is the first thing I listen to. And I go, yes, this sounds right. This is this sounds well, right I, I, the maturity of the songwriting. Yeah. I mean, the songwriting is getting better and better. Right. And better because some of the best songs on Axl Rose are on this song or yes. on this album, this EP. So once again, your producer is Rob McGregor and you're, and it's on Sabbath productions as your record label. Um, I thought like this had some really good production. Like this sounds good. Yep. It flies by. It's quick. It's fun. It's got energy. I like this quite a bit. I did too. I did too. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the song sense. The first one is Jordan's first choice. Um, I think like a lot of the songs on the last one, this just didn't have the same energy as the as the album version. I was 50-50. I, I think I liked okay. it about the same as Axl Rose. I found myself okay. surprised by that. I was like, I think this is just as good. It's a different version. Um, yeah. But I do have a question. Is this Jordan, the Jordan who's the manager? Is that who they're yes. referring to? So Yes. So how their song got named was that they did not have a name for the song. And Jordan felt like this should be the song that they opened the EP with. So that's why it's called Jordan's first choice right. because this was his favorite song of the six songs here. It should have been the first song on Axl Rose, but I digress. Well, we'll get into that later. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's move on to song number two, uh, which is a the early version of those anarcho punks are mysterious, and this is the first one where I like this version better. I disagree. I really? love the album version. Okay. I, that I was did. my but but that was also my favorite song on Axl Rose, I'm pretty sure. No, it I, was not. I, was not? No, <laughs> no it wasn't. You, you picked maybe I'm an anarchist. Oh, that's right. You're right. This was number two, but they were neck and neck. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I definitely like the, the Axl Rose okay. version of this, but that's okay. Me. I just thought this worked better as like a slower song. It's not a ton of changes, but I don't know. Yeah. I like this one. All right, moving on. Yeah, th- this one, there's only a couple new songs, so we're going to yeah. just blow right through this one. That's right. good, because I forgot to write a note for the next one, and I don't remember right. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's just uh, song number three is Reinvent Asa Rose. Once again, this was too slow, and I just thought the album version is like a major improvement. Yes, I'm going to agree with you, because, I again, I forgot to write a note. The album version right. of the song has a ton of energy. Uh, and this just feels too laid back to me. Yeah. Let's move on to song number four, which is we did it all for Dawn. This is the first new song, but I also feel like it's the weakest one here. So I, the two things I said is this song sounded familiar and I know it's the same band, so that's easy, but I almost was like, was this on something else? Had I, had I heard this song before? No, but but no, I hadn't. I lo- I went back and I looked at all the other EPs. I actually did a little work for this. Um, <laughs> looked into it, very more. And this one is kind of just like a, a song about being on the road. Yeah, uh, I, I did not like. I did not mind this song at all. I like this song. I, yeah, I, I liked it too. But I thought of the six. This is my least favorite of the six here. Um, I disagree, but that's okay. Okay, we'll get. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> get into it then. What's number the next five. Song, Dwayne? Number five. <laughs> Fights of Guinness make you strong. You, 
first of all, I fucking love the bass here. Like the uh, on the rest of this EP, the bass is kind of just like in the background. It's just a, just a little bit of rhythm, but on this song, it really stands out, and this really like feels unique and different to the version that ended up on the album. And I like I like this like almost equally. Like it's hard for me to pick a favorite here between this one and the album version. So here we go, drum roll, please. I like this version a lot more. Okay. I really enjoyed it this time. And I was, boy, I didn't see that coming because I was like, oh no, this fucking I think, song. You know again. what I think it is? And maybe you agree or disagree. I think this one kind of has more of like a country music feel to it than the album version, which is more like straight ahead punk. It just, it, it's a, it, you know, I mean, my, my complaint, I, I, it felt like a song. It, I don't know. It felt a little bit more real. I think knowing the context that she's talking about her grandparents makes a difference but this one just seems more raw this seems like they're singing it in a bar which makes more sense in the context of what they're singing about i don't know i really enjoy i i i, I like this a lot more than i like the one on uh, the version on axel rose and i was like didn't didn't see that coming i really was yeah. like oh god here we go this song again is gonna haunt me and then i really <laughs> enjoyed it and i listened to it a few more times i was like this is this is there a, you go the version that i i appreciate yeah like i said i can't really choose between the two Let's get into song number six, which is the only other new song here. And once again, this song and the previous song are CD bonus tracks. Uh, the seven inch only had the first four songs, okay. but this final song is untitled. It's also known as Armageddon, which is kind of like a fan title for it. Uh, and this one's just another road song. I could not find like concrete proof of this. The one thing I read was that this is like a tribute to their first van that was also named Armageddon. Uh, I like this one, but this is a level below of the stuff that ended up on reinventing Axl Rose. Yeah, I think it was good that it ended up. I thought it was I thought the song was OK, but I thought it was a I thought it was too long and I didn't think it was very memorable. I just that was I agree me. with that completely. Yeah. Once again, felt very much like a bonus track yeah just kind of something thrown on well the fact that it's also called untitled bonus track like there's not even right a real yeah name they, for they it. It was like, you really that's you didn't, you didn't want to name this one like well and know. here's what here's what's funny about that so there are technically three against me songs that are untitled this is the first one okay there is a second song called untitled two which did not appear on any official releases. It was just played live, but someone recorded it, but it became like a very popular song. And one thing I think we're going to do in the last episode is look at uh, a handful of unreleased songs. And so untitled two will definitely be one of them. Okay. Then there is a third song that came out around 2009 or 10 that is also called untitled. That has nothing to do with the other two songs. And it's like, it's so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> they have three songs that are untitled. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. You call it whatever you want or don't call it anything. All right. Are you ready to hear the quotes? Yeah, let's do it. All right. This first one is Laura from her book. And she says, people were listening to these records and we were getting a lot of positive feedback for what we were doing. Even though there was no real band to speak of at this time, 
the name against me was gaining traction. It's a good name too. So I think like this time she kind of felt like the band's falling apart. Like we don't even have a full roster here, but so this took off and that's when they decided to like go full force and record reading Van Axel Rose. So this would have come out in November of 2001, okay, which is about four or five months before Ring Van Axel Rose. Yeah, this is like and like halfway. here you can draw the you can draw the direct line. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. This, this sounds like demos of Axel. Yep, which is basically what they are. Um, yeah, no, it's it's all right. It's cool. I, I I dug this. I I dug this more than crime. I got to be honest. Oh yeah, me too, big time. big time. Okay. If someone said like, in your opinion, like, where does against me take off? It's, it's here. This one. Yeah. This is the start of the real against me. This other stuff, we're getting there. We're figuring it out. Right here, we got it figured out. Yeah, we put we're ready the, to go now. The piece, we got the piece. We finally put the pieces together. Yeah. So what Jordan Kleeman had to say was the the acoustic EP was recorded in July and reinventing Axel Rose re, was recorded in December. So everything came together very quickly after that. I remember Laura considered calling the seven inch reinventing Axel Rose. So the name was even already there. Huh. And uh, the final quote we have here is from Dustin Friedkin, who played the bass on this one. And he says, Laura pretty much came up with all the songs herself. And I was just trying to add bass. And I mean that on the most basic level. It was like, I'm playing a low note here at the right time. Then Laura and I just burned through these songs, made that AP, and would just drive around the Southeast in my Honda Civic hatchback. <laughs> I like it. I, I, I dig that quite a bit. I feel like oh, this is almost the last time they get to do something like that because you know after they yeah. start releasing these full links it's more of a tradition so right and dustin would only play on this and ring the next rose and then he would also leave the band as we talked about in the first episode so i'll go ahead and get right into it because our next release kevin's gone dustin's gone we've got some new members that we'll get into here in a second but we're about to talk about the Disco Before the Breakdown EP, which is, in my opinion, the first release of the classic Against Me lineup. This, this is the band that played on all like the big albums okay. other than Axel. So this was, was this was released after Axel Rose, correct? Yes. So Reading Van Axel Rose, like we said, came out in March of 2002. This came out in November of 2002. Okay. Um, so on this release, Against Me is, and this will be the lineup for the next uh, three studio albums and a live album. And Against Me is Laura Jane Grace on vocals, James Bowman on guitar, Andrew Seward on bass, Warren Oaks on drums. And your producer here is a guy called Darren Neufer. And I, I looked this guy up. I, <laughs> there's not a lot of info about this guy. <laughs> he was the saxophone player in the band Less Than Jake uh, oh, okay. before, before they got big. So like the very early days of the band, before they recorded like their big album, Right. He he was around from 96 to 2000. And then he's also done like 
some other production and like uh, yeah and so he's also done some work as like a studio musician and that kind of thing but uh don't have a ton of information on that guy but just want to point that out and this came out on no idea records which is the same record label that made ring Van and axel rose austin yes before you sir get into what, before you get into what you thought about it yeah i was surprised to learn when i started researching this there are a lot of mixed reviews about this some people say it's one of their favorite things they ever did which is i would be one of those people uh some people say it's fucking sucks and it's boring and it's one of the worst things they ever made and we should just forget about it i saw all kinds of like the reviews for this were all over the map to me what i liked about this Austin. Reinvent Actual Rose was their first big release, right? right? They got a lot of attention. And what they did right away was go out of their comfort zone. Yep. And go, whatever you were expecting, we're not going to do that. Yep. We're, we are going to right away from the start do something else. Yep. And, and I this think- is, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and I think that that's why, that's probably why you get some of the negative reviews that you do. Like, I understand negative reviews, okay? I understand people not liking it. Fine, whatever. You don't like these songs? Hey, people don't like songs for whatever reason. But I saw, like, multiple, like, not, like, comments, like, real reviews where people were like, this was boring. And, like, these songs are not boring. Whatever you think about these songs, they are very raw and emotional. Like they are not boring songs. Nope. I thought like, I thought like on these three songs, her lyrics paint such like a vivid picture. Like she's really stepped up the songwriting here to like a major degree. And it's a huge departure from the previous albums. Absolutely. Huge. And it's, it's so interesting to have that big of a change over the course of two albums, really. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much, but one of the reasons we're talking about this band and why I think they're more interesting to talk about than any other band is because, like, they're not a band that rested on their laurels. Right. They they never like all of their albums sound very distinct, and you can you can like them or not like them, but the one thing they never did was do the same thing again. Like, they always did something different, and and. That we'll get right into the first song here, Disco Before the Breakdown. And this is just like any, this is unlike any other Against Me song that we've heard before. Yep. This is not counting the stuff on Ring Van Axel Rose, just counting the stuff from this episode and the last episode. Unquestionably, the most interesting song we've listened to musically or lyrically. I just I wrote in all caps horns. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Boy, that that really caught me by surprise. I was like, right. wow, well, horn section, really? Right away. But I like it. Okay. Yes. It works here. Oh yeah. And they're not a they're not like a band that uses horns a lot, but this song needed it. So that's what they used. Yeah. And I think uh Laura would later say that this song, like, while not like directly about being trans like that is what it's about she's dealing with that and the lyrics are her trying to process those feelings and emotions um and relationships you know right. it, it it actually feels 
more personal than anything else because she's talking about, I just wrote, I was like, someone's in love, you know, and, and actually right. singing about well, it. Well, well, around this time, her first marriage is falling apart. So oh, uh, that, <laughs> that is a theme on the, on the, certainly the next song, but, um, but, but I just, this is a great song. It's very catchy, but I'm going to say this, Austin. I love this song, but of the three songs here, it's my least favorite. I okay, I get that. Yeah, but this is a great song. I mean, yeah. all right, but Austin, let's move on to song number two, which is tonight we're going to give it thirty-five percent. And the title of this, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of things going on in this song. It's most directly about a meeting that the band had with the band Anti Flag. Yeah. Uh, you're familiar with them about yeah. joining their record label, uh, which they ended up not doing. Um, they decided they went to Fat Records. They went right? to Fat Records, as we will get into in the next episode. Absolutely, because uh, I know Fat Records. Believe it or yes. not, yes. But uh, against our Anti Flags label, AF Records was the first sort of big punk label that reached out to them. Uh, and so this is sort of about a meeting. This one she's talking about. We drank bottled water together and talk business and that kind of stuff. But it's also really about the anxiety she felt about the band growing at a pace that she was not necessarily prepared for. And uh, just feeling like, oh, no, this is like actually a really serious thing now. And uh, it's also a little bit about... <laughs> Her first marriage breaking up, you know, that, she talks yeah, about I was gonna say that calling, was, um, just to say goodnight. Yes, I, I mean, I just feel like this is one of my favorite against me songs. This is a really like powerful and moving song, it's good, it's the best one on this EP for sure. And it, it it's and also, I mean, I'm gonna contradict myself in the same episode when I talked about not wanting to hear about the mute, like making songs but it's the I point really that i was this. making earlier when it's well done i yeah i agree a good I song agree. is a good song yeah oh 100%. you know what i mean yeah and like the, the lyrics the lyrics on these three songs are so fucking good like like she paints even though like you you didn't know what this song was about listening to it but you weren't sitting there scratching your head going like what's she talking about here like you have an idea of like at least the emotions that she's feeling whether you know the backstory or not well and it's it's written it's it's a smart enough song in the way that it's written where it could apply to a lot of things yeah right so you could say oh it's about the meeting with another record label. It's also about a divorce and it's also about, you know, burnout on the road. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. And and you could be right about all of those things and the song would fit perfectly into all of those. So it's almost like right. a choose your own adventure, you know, like what do you part think of the song? The part where she's talking about um, praying on my knees in the bathroom and, and that kind of stuff. Like you don't, anybody can like relate to that, like yeah. sort of just, moment of just like anxiety and you know stress yeah. and just like crumbling under the weight of it all and like so you don't need to know any of this other stuff to like right relate right. to this song. it's relatable she she does such a great job here and in some later songs that we're talking about of 
expressing what it feels like to have anxiety right. or experience depression in a way that like very few songwriters are able to do effectively. Like, uh, yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say about this song? No, I really, I really enjoyed it. And I think you're, I think you're spot on because I didn't know any of the backstory to any of it. And I still really gravitated. Right. This yeah, song. It's a great. I think, think from the two episodes that we talked about not even axel rose right this is the first great song yeah i think you're right that we've talked about i think we actually episodes. agree too yeah well there you go the first episode. i think we haven't had too many disagreements on this one we've pretty much been in line with yeah i think we've been in line well you, you yeah. know you, you learned me well Dwayne. you learned me well. well there's only one song left maybe we'll have a big fight about this one but i don't think so i don't think so uh, as that brings us to song three which is beginning in an ending I fucking love this song so much. Like, it's so simple, but it's so effective. She paints such a clear picture with the lyrics. This is one of my, like, I guess this is going to be a spoiler, but fuck it. This is one of my favorite Against Me songs, period. I don't know if this will end up on my top 10 list, but it's going to be in contention. Like I fucking love this song so much. You've just got like her raw voice. Even the guitar is just kind of in the background. It's not really doing a lot. This is just like her voice, the lyrics. Austin, what I wrote here was depressing and beautiful. Those are not mutually exclusive, I think. Yeah, I, I also I, for you know, I thought this was an appropriate song to end sort of this chapter, right? Yeah. These last three episodes have been sort of, I think, all in the same chapter, and this is going to end the last two episodes where we were just listening to the EPs and the early stuff, and now like this is the song to close it out to now move forward with the full albums, which I think is she's become such a good songwriter here. That like, I think I think in the early days of the band, she very much had this idea: all we need is my voice and the guitar, right? And and we don't need anything else. But like, she hadn't quite figured it out here. And here, that is earned. Yep. You don't need anything else. Yep. You almost don't even need the guitar here. Yeah, like this could just be a poem. Yep. Like the lyrics are so great. Like she's really figured out songwriting here with these three songs as great as Axel was. And, and, and listen, I think Reeve Axel Rose is better than this. I'm not going to say like, <laughs> I'm not going to say otherwise, uh, but the lyrics here are, are uh, above anything other than like the top two or three songs on Axel. I would say like, She's really figuring out, figured it out here. Like, I think, I think Ring Vin and Axel Rose was such a big boost to her confidence, right? That she was able to go out of her comfort zone here and be fearless, like in a big way. Yes, yeah, I agree. Because a lot of artists would not have the guts to make any of these three songs, right? And to do the something first so one, different. the first one is so different musically than anything they've ever done. The second one is so raw and emotional Exposed. yes and vulnerable in a way that punk music is not a lot of the times right. and the third song is like again like i said almost like she's reading a poem she's i mean she's barely even singing here i mean it's like these songs are like nothing that was on axel rose 
and, and nothing that comes after this. This is like it's a standalone thing. Interesting. And that's what makes it so great to me. Um, do you have anything else you want to say before we get into the quotes here? No, I think that I think we, we're pretty in, in, in sync on this one. Excellent. All right. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, but this is from Laura herself. This is from a Reddit AMA. And this is the backstory to tonight. We're going to give it 35%. She said, I wrote that song in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The line we drank bottled water together and talked business was about anti-flag. They were trying to sign us to their label at the time and took us to their warehouse space. We drank bottled water together. A lot of the song is about touring and the person you miss back home. It's about trying to reconcile your politics with the choices you're making. It's also about shame and gender dysphoria. Can you live with what you know about yourself when you're all alone? I wasn't ready to address the things I knew about myself back then when I was all alone. Yeah, that's a lot. That's, that's yeah. There's a lot in that song. Yeah. Yeah. That song is so packed with so much. Oh yeah. Um, there's a lot in there. You could have bra- broken that up into three different songs, right? <laughs> a, a proper EP yeah. instead of a single. All right. The next quote is from Laura and this is about how Andrew who was the bassist joined the band and Laura says Andrew sent me a fucking hotmail message that said kick the bass player out of your band and I was like well actually it's not like that but we do need a bass player (laughs) so essentially (laughs) this was a couple of weeks after Dustin left Andrew was like you know kick the bass player out and you, she was like well <laughs> <laughs> funny okay. timing also hotmail uh, you gotta love it yeah. and so laura also says here we had the disco before the breakdown and tonight we're going to give it 35 percent kicking around from when we were working on reinventing axel rose but we were fucking terrible at coming up with music together i remember one of the last practices with dustin we were practicing at james house and there's a couch and i'm trying to teach them 35 percent and dustin was literally falling asleep on the couch i was like fucking hell i've tried to fucking write a song here <laughs> and you're falling asleep it's probably for the best that you're leaving <laughs> <laughs> and then one thing uh i didn't have any direct quotes but one thing dustin did talk about in the article was that like you know he was he was pretty checked out he knew he was leaving and so by this point he's just like laura does talk about in her book a few times of like feeling like um at this time and later on that the rest of the band isn't as involved in the songwriting as she wants them to be but um to me it's like hey if it's working, don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. I agree. But it's also think, it's a lot of work for some. Yeah. Not and not everybody like has the mind to write lyrics either. Right. But um Austin, that's gonna bring us to the last segment that we have on the show here. Let's do it. So I need to know what was, in your opinion, the worst song that we listened to today impact that's what i picked really <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I did, did not like, like that that's the only song like i had mixed feelings about some of these songs that's the only song it's one of the few real against me songs that i just don't like yeah i don't like it either. there's a handful of against me songs that i don't like and this is one of them i just i don't like it it's not a good song yeah. 
I don't. I, yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm glad I got left. All off. right. Well, that was that was quick and easy. That was weird. Let me know, Austin. What was your? What did you think was the best song we listened to today? We just talked about it a bunch tonight. We're going to give it 35. percent Was my absolute favorite out of, out of the whole bunch of yeah, songs. That's that's a great song. I went with beginning and an ending. But feel, it was it was it was back and forth up until right before we recorded this. So. Yeah, no, I I see that. I yeah, I just like I I yeah, I liked everything I like about tonight. We're gonna give it thirty five percent. I just like the story. I didn't know even without the context. With yeah. it, with the context, you add a little bit more to it. Right. Uh, it's a great title for a song. Yeah. I, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. I don't think I, you can go wrong with either of those two. I mean, I think unquestionably those are the two best songs uh that we listened to today. So we I mean we're pretty much uh pretty much in line. I don't think there was any disagreements today. No, no, yeah. it's weird. That was that listener Strange was, feeling. was what I dreamed of when I conceived of this podcast. I thought I thought I've talked to Austin about this before, but I very stupidly thought to myself, well, my opinions about this band. And all music are the correct ones. And I'm just going to show Austin this music and he's going to go, oh, yeah, I think exactly what you thought about it. And I'm going to go, isn't this fun? But that's not, <laughs> that's not what happened. <laughs> it didn't go too far off the rails. No, no. no. I, and, and I really think with the next album, we're going to be thinking along, along right. the same line. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm excited Which to get into it. brings us album. to what we are going to talk about next time. Austin. I'm very excited. A little bit of behind the scenes. These last two episodes have not been my favorite. Some of this stuff was a slog to get through. Some of these songs just like weren't the most interesting songs to talk about. But next time, Austin, we're talking about a real album that came out on a real record label, made in a real studio with real production. We're talking about Against Me as the Eternal Cowboy and I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but I'm going to say I won't hear this. anything. I'm going to say this, Austin. It's 25 minutes long. I love it. Let's do it. I'm excited. Now, two things. Number one, I want to know what are your expectations going into this album? What do you what do you think this is going to be like? What are you uh, expecting? What are you hoping for? Lord, I don't even know, to be honest. And I'm not going to tell you if you're right or wrong. Either. I I, I, I had maybe something in mind. And then after hearing um, the disco before the breakdown, now I'm not really sure where they're going to go from here. I I guess I expect, I, I don't know. And I'm actually excited for not knowing. I don't really have a preconceived notion, only because it throws me off a little that they're on fat records because I do like no effects a lot. So I, I know that that kind of music, and it's like, this is a very different band for that label. So I'm not sure what to expect. We and will I'm talk about curious. Uh, Fat Records and Fat Mike and of Fat no Mike. quite a bit next time. All right. Um, I don't want to really spoil I'm, I'm going to be surprised. I, I don't really want to spoil anything right now. No, but let's do it. I don't want to spoil it. Don't spoil it. I'm going to say this. The second thing I want to say. There is one song on this album. And the listeners are going to know what song I'm talking about. And Austin, if you don't like it, I'm gonna lose my fucking mind. <laughs> All right, I, so challenge just accepted. Be, just be aware of that. Challenge accepted. I know, and I know the listeners know what song I'm talking about. All right. Before All right. we go, Austin, do you have anything that you want to plug today? 
today i mean it's the same thing i always plug you can find me on twitter for now till i get angry and maybe threaten to delete my account and never do it but i'm at austin agogo uh you can also listen to me uh on the other podcast that i'm on called if you catch my grift and we talk about charlatans and con men and we have the last episode that posted when we record this which will probably not coincide with what's up now we just did an episode that has been my personal favorite about tammy faye baker and i'm a big fan of hers it's probably the only grifter that we've talked about that i actually like um so yeah so you can catch that on all the the podcast platforms there you go and if you want to join the patreon for if you catch my grift oh yeah that thing too you can you can join the discord and i'm in there and dalton's in there and austin and hey i don't make any fucking money from that so i don't give a shit you do or not we we don't either right now because all of the hosting (laughs) hopefully this podcast is better than my twitter account in my opinion it, in my like my mind it is on twitter i just say a bunch of nonsense and dumb shit <laughs> but if you want to talk to me like in a way where i'm being like more sincere uh yeah in the discord there for uh if you catch my grift that's there i'm there <laughs> all right i don't have anything to plug if you want to find me on twitter i'm at age of the fever uh um, he's a good follow no matter what he says yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's weird to me that people <laughs> follow me. No one's followed me because of the podcast yet. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, don't worry. We'll get there. We have, I believe, about eight listeners. That's not true either. <laughs> I've seen the stats. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't look at them, but I guess I don't want to see. It's them. more than that. I know at say. least, I know, of, I know about eight people have told me personally that they listen. If you don't, I'm going to tell you this, listener. If you don't personally message me to to tell me that you listen to the show, that doesn't count. I don't. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I don't know. That just, I don't know that you're listening. I'm not saying every time, but maybe the first time you listen, just say like, "Hey." And if you never come back, just don't tell him. Yeah, if you don't like it, that you don't have to tell me that. You don't say (laughs) I I thought it was good or bad. Just say like, just say I listen. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like the Apes of the State song. You can just say, yeah, I listen. Yeah, I listen.